Hey guys, welcome back to Mountain Murders. I'm Heather. And I'm Dylan. Actually, I don't know if we're going to call you Dylan around here anymore. Oh, oh, so this is what we're going to do now. Let's take a poll. Should he start going by Papaw, Peepaw, or Granddad? Okay, we need to give the listeners some background <laughs> on this discussion. Oh, that's really hilarious. Uh, I think so. So, uh, I'm 41 years old, right? I'm, I'm in prime of my life, right? Wouldn't you count this as my prime time, honey? Honey, I think you're on the downside of that. No, that's okay. the prime of my life because I'm okay. going to live to be 300. All right. All right. And uh, my daughter just had a baby. Yeah. So I'm a 41-year-old grandpa. And But you can't be. That's too young. Well, it's pretty young. No, it's way young. I mean, come on. It's not like I had her when I was 10 years old. <laughs> of course, I didn't ever have her. That was a woman's oh, job. That was okay. the woman's job to have uh, that baby. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Don't you do mm. it. So, no, I'm not. I want to ask what they think. I'm not going to go by Grandpa or Papa or any of that. I'm too young for it. So, I want to pop, either. Pop, pop. Pop, pop. I think the second pop kind of makes you douchey. So, but, you know, I'm going to be whatever she calls me. So, her name is, uh, is little Kalani. That's my granddaughter. Kalani. Which is weird to say that like that because I'm so young. But yes, she's beautiful. She's adorable. We were really happy we got to squeeze a little baby today. <laughs> yes, and I think, she, and I smelled her. She smells really good. And I felt her There's little... nothing like that new baby smell. You can't beat it. No. If you could package that, I yeah. mean, literally, you'd be sitting on an, em, uh, an empire. She's so teeny tiny, too. She's much smaller than any baby I ever pushed out, I'll tell you that. She's six pounds. Six pounds, 11 ounces. Well, now actually, she's six, today she's, she's six. She's 6'4", so let's so just call it... she's a little teeny, and she had the cutest, tiniest little baby ears. Yeah. And her little feet! Oh, my God, I've never seen such a tiny foot. You it wanted to little, squeeze her so bad, It was like you? a little doll, but she had really long toes. Yeah, I know, and big hands. Yeah, she, she might really play cute. volleyball or something. She's pretty, and has a head full of hair. And yes, so she's gorgeous. My but so here, children were bald until they were three. <laughs> so she is gorgeous. Welcome, Kalani. And uh, way to go, Willow. You made it. Congratulations, Papaw. Willow and Brandon. Peepaw. Kalani's parents. And uh, so now here, let's get to the serious point of this. Papaw the Dylan. real point. I'm too young for that. So I'll be Pop Pop, maybe. Or Willow's father, Dylan. I'm, I'm, I could be Dylan. Maybe she can say Dylan. Maybe she's going to be super smart and that'll be her first word. And she'll be like, hey, Dylan. I'll be like, hey, what's up, Kalani? Or I could just teach her to call you Dick. You would do that, too, <laughs> wouldn't you? So we have to be mindful of no. discussing murder cases and stuff around her before she can even talk. We may make her turn her into a killer. Okay, that's stupid. Okay. We listen to podcasts and talk about true crime in front of our kids all the time. Yes. and They're our, perfectly normal. Our daughters are... <laughs> You know what's great? Kidding. Our daughters are bringing true crime books home from school libraries, so it's that's kind of wild. Yeah, my oh. daughter's always telling me about cases she finds. Yeah, like the Hello Kitty murder. Yeah, yeah. So there, that there's that. So let's try not to make a serial killer out of her. Yeah, I think she's, she's gonna so do cute. fine. So um, yeah, I think the people can let us know what they think about it. I'm too young to be Papa. Well, congratulations, Dylan. Thank you. I know it was an exciting day for you. So that was incredible. What else is going on? Well, we actually have some birthdays. I would like to give some shout outs to a few of our Mountain Murders fans, listeners. 
Mountain Murders family. We've okay. got Gary Ramsey. Gary, Gary is a good friend. He's a friend of the podcast Big and a friend of mine. supporter of the podcast. And he also is one of the admins on our Facebook page, Mountain Murders. And he's your partner on Batshit Crazy. That's true. My new podcast, Batshit Crazy. He is one of my co-hosts. Yes, sir. But Gary, happy birthday, buddy. I know we're like a day late, but... I'm usually a day late and a dollar short, so there you go. Well, that's what they say. And then we have another fan having a birthday today, Tessa Mashburn Mathis. Oh, okay. She's been, yeah, okay. That's, she's definitely part of the Mountain so, Murders family. this is a special birthday episode just for you. This is going to be y'all's <laughs> present. <laughs> Sorry. We were kind of talking um, a little while ago about dirtbag people. You know them. We know them. They're everywhere. I'm going to quote um, Mr. Leahy from Trailer Park Boys. Okay. Shitbirds. Shitbirds. They're shitbirds. <laughs> okay. So it's just that shitty person. Okay. We'll just say, call him a bad. Okay. So I don't say shit 20 times in a row. So just a bad person. Crappy. Stays you know, in trouble. Stays in trouble. Does Never what they works, want. Might do drugs. To society in any way. Yeah. Crap. They're basically the family. just a blight right. on humanity. All they're doing is burning resources. Sorry, I'm like moving around over here trying to get comfortable, but... Yeah, so you got these cool. people, <laughs> and uh, you, you, we were talking about how do you know when someone really is a horrible person all the way around, and I came up with the formula. When other shitbirds that you already knew say that you hear, they hear that person's name, and they're like, ooh, they're a shitbird, then okay, that's a horrible person. Yeah, so even on a, like, a spectrum of shitbirds... Yeah. Those people are the shittiest of the shitbirds. <laughs> the shittiest of all. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so, the, yeah, I don't know what you do with a person like that, but it's just it's just rough when they just, uh, you know, expect everybody else to clean their messes up and stuff. So, Gosh. yeah, I do not like, there's a lot of people like that around here in this poor county. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if everybody, anybody wants to uh, give us a shout out on Mountain Murder's Facebook page, about their uh, their most horrible experience with a shitbird. Yeah, that's And just keep it anonymous. Yeah, there if you it's go. family, if it's your brother, if your mom's a shitbird, your dad is, it don't matter. Hey, Let we us call know. them like we see them. That's Learn right. Shit shitbird, shitbird, just because right? you're my family don't mean you get a damn treat me like dirt. Well, Dylan, let's get into the case today. Oh, okay. That's where I want to go. This is a good story. And before we get started, I just want to maybe touch on this a little bit because it kind of goes along with our story. What is like your favorite kind of like vacation destination? Well, I haven't vacated a whole lot in my life, but um, I guess I like... Every day with me is a vacation. What are well, you that's true. About? A vacation from reality. Woo. Oh, hello. Shots fired. Uh, well, let's I'm see. not denying it. <laughs> Wait, now, is this somewhere I would want to go? Like if I could, my dream thing? or well, yeah, I mean, just, you know, when you have gone on vacations, like what kind of place do you enjoy visiting? Do you like going someplace that has like beautiful scenery, nature? Are you looking more for like adventure and like the fun experiences? Or do you like to visit those tourist traps? I don't care for the tourist traps. You know, I've done it over the years because you typically go there for your kids. Or, you know, if you have someone who loves to shop in a certain, for certain things, I don't like it. I mean, I'll go do it and I can have fun, but I, I, I that's like the last thing I want to do. I think more of the quiet, more natural, just see like a different landscape. Then I always want to go see that. I want to go see the desert. You know, I want to go to the coast, uh, up the East Coast, up there in the top there where all them damn Yankees are. 
and see that because it's quite different. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. The Yankees know I love them. But um, yeah, so yeah, I think scenery and natural and quiet because my whole point with vacating is I want to relax, exactly. recharge. Right. What about you? Well, I'm not a fan of the tourist traps. I think some people can enjoy that. And they have a ball. It's just not really for me. I've never really enjoyed visiting those types of spots. Not to say that the area where we're talking about today isn't absolutely gorgeous because it is. But I think for those who live there, they would agree it's a tourist trap. It's the kind of place where you're going to bleed your wallet, souvenir, gift shops. Bunch of commercials. Every stuff. couple of feet. Yeah. You know, it's all the... Basically, chain restaurants, Ugh. just the tacky stuff, a lot of that, flashing lights. That serves arcades. its purpose, though. I mean, th those are you good know, to those have. expensive attractions. Well, I can tell you this from personal experience. Living in that place, though we get a lot of tours here where we are now in uh, Waynesville, North Carolina, it's more just a little bit of traffic. We don't, we're not so built up. It's pretty quiet and quaint still, which is the whole draw, I guess. But uh, having lived in, uh, I lived in Pigeon Forge for a time as a, uh, a kid, and it's just to live around the edge of that is horrible because you're not going to do in uh, any of the the tourist crap. And but it is just it's just horrible. Well, we are going to be talking about a case that takes place in the Gatlinburg Pigeon Forge, Tennessee area. As you mentioned, Dylan, you've lived there before. Hello. I mean, the whole town is essentially built in a way that it's aimed at tourists. You're going to get a lot of that big money spending right, right. kind of stuff. Families of seven and eight. Where, yeah. you know, you're going to go to an attraction and drop probably $40 a person. I mean. Oh, my God. Every time you turn around, I it's guess it's a, there's a lot of bucks. stuff to do there yes. if that kind of stuff is your bag. But I guess for someone like me, I just don't see that as being fun at all. And it's a short drive from us, so I'm not going to say that. We haven't hopped in the car, drove over the mountain, ended up. We out drive in. through Gatlinburg. We do. I love Gatlinburg. It's beautiful. Yeah, but we it's like just to not drive for us. Through and we might pop by and enjoy like one of the outlets or have food at one of the spots. Right. But for the most part, we just drive through there on our way to like Knoxville or something. Right. And it's super cool. It's nestled right there, you know, in the but mountain. It's absolutely beautiful. You got over Gatlinburg. It's just kind of like a, almost like a ski lodge, I guess, ski lodge area if the snow would stay here. But you yeah, have the it, cool sky trams. You have the sky trams that go there. up to now up there. It's, it's it's really pretty. Experience. You have a, like a, almost a space needle deal going. It's it's really cool and beautiful. Gatlinburg is a picturesque vacation destination for visitors who want to enjoy the serene Great Smoky Mountains National Park. It's a quaint town nestled in a valley. In 1986, this was a really big year for the town. The probably most popular tourist destination, famous, worldwide, well-known, was actually built by famed country singer and my personal hero, Dolly Parton. Hey, Dolly. She opened up Dollywood in Pigeon Forge in 1986. Okay. And now, before it was Dollywood, it was called the Silver Dollar City? Silver, Silver Dollar City. Is that what it was called? Yeah. Yeah, and so it was a theme park, but when Dolly stepped in and bought it, she really revamped it, amped right. up the game. Well, it was one of the leftover Western you theme. Know, it rivals with like a Six Flags, a Bush Gardens. Yeah. And it's fun. It's a fun spot. It is. 
going to cost you 15 bucks to park there after you've already paid your like $65 ticket to get yeah, in. Yeah, I don't really get that. But, but uh, <laughs> hey, it re they fun. reinvigorated the area. You know, she created jobs, just really made a destination that it benefits the entire region. And, you know, Silver Dollar City obviously was one of those, uh, maybe not, I shouldn't have said obviously, I'm stupid. But uh, maybe one of those old leftover Western theme, because, you know, that was big for decades. The 50s and the 60s. The ghost towns of Maggie Valley or the Silver Dollar City. And it was really, it was just, ba it, I think it may have still operated, but, it, you know, like a limited capacity. It was just wore out. And Dolly came in, bought the place up. And now from that day till now, I mean, it's just amazing at the growth. Probably hundreds of thousands of visitors a year. Yeah, there's no telling. Hitting up Dollywood. Right. The theme park opens 1986, and our story takes place pretty quickly after the opening of the theme park. Oh my God, did this happen by my house? In late August 1986, Joseph Demotica, Tattoo Eddie Harris, and a transgendered woman known as Ashley Silvers had met up in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Now, a little background. Demotica and Eddie, who earned the nickname Tattoo Eddie... Because he had over, they're estimating he had about 134, possibly more tattoos that he had acquired over the years serving prison time, had a lot of the prison tattoos. He was, you know, he was inked up. Basically from head to toe, you reckon? Well, he had quite a few, yeah. Okay. And, you know, the 80s tattoos were not as common as they are today. They were no. still probably a little more ta taboo. Right. If you had a tattoo back then, it was you might have belonged to a biker gang or like a biker club. Well, yeah, if you're tatted or all Or you got them in prison. Right. Yeah, if you're covered in tats all up your arms and be, let alone your neck or all, torso. I mean, it, it, like you're saying, some people may not realize now how common they are. That would, you would like literally just get stares and head turns and people, old ladies clutching their purses, you know, locking their doors. I mean, you would literally. That was reserved for, you know, folks who'd been in the military. Right. Have tattoos. Right. Sailors, Marines, Army, you know, you might have a tattoo, maybe one, maybe two. Yeah, Like exactly. I said, you had some of the bikers, some of the old school bikers who might be inked up. And then the rest where you got them in prison. I mean, it wasn't like today where people go in and drop three three grand to get some beautifully designed, basically, piece of art on their well, Yeah, arm. I don't think it was even recognized like art then either, you know, as far as the work. Right. So the fact that he had all of these tattoos, it earned him this nickname, Tattoo Eddie. I'm going to assume he stuck out. He did. <laughs> and Demotica and Eddie had met in prison. So that's kind of how they became friends. They had served time together. He's like hanging out, meets up with this guy, Joseph Demotica, and Ashley Silvers down in Florida. A little background on Eddie. He was always hustling on the streets of Atlanta. Okay. He was born in Baltimore, Maryland, grew up in Asheville, North Carolina. When he was only about third grade, he basically dropped out of school. How the hell you drop out in third Just grade? Quit going, I guess. Well, I guess if you don't have parents that are after you to, you know, get on it and do the right. Yeah, okay. By the age of 14, he was a runaway, living on the streets, again, hustling, trying to make a dollar. He had a limited ability to read or write. When he was 18, he was convicted of rape and sodomy. That's not cool. He was sentenced to 10 years in prison, but claimed it was consensual 
and the victim only turned him in when her parents had found out that she had had sex with Harris. And not to defend him, but I've known people who mm, there might have been only like a year age difference, but there's that they, there's that kind of blurred line. I hate to call it a gray area because it is so touchy and well, it can I be know, so many. But, but you know, there is 17, that. 18, yeah. I mean, there. Right. It but, happens, and not to say that this guy wasn't a rapist. He could. It could. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, maybe he was just fucking scumbag. Right. But there is a possibility that maybe he wasn't. Such a dirt ball. You do hear stories. He might where, not be one of those shipbirds. I don't know. Here's the thing. <laughs> you can avoid that by not having sexual relations with someone who's quite well, younger. Well, that makes sense. So there's that part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he married and had two children who ended up in foster care. Okay, he's a shipbird. Harris and Demotica, like I said, had met in prison maybe four or five years before the story takes place. Now, the trio decided that they were going to drive up to Daytona Beach, hang out for a little bit. Then they go on to Georgia, where they pick up Tattoo Eddie's girlfriend, a woman named Kimberly Pelly. The four traveled up to Knoxville, where Joseph had worked as a male stripper at a bar called The Pepper Tree. Hello. Oh, wow. I'm still there. Well, if it is, we're going. No, I, know, I know what we're doing this weekend. You, they will be begging me to perform, honey. I can't do it. You've got moves. Baby, I, I, I left the stripper, male stripper life so many years ago. I can't go You're back. You're not allowed to say stripper anymore, remember? Oh, well, I'm sorry. Male dancer. dancer? Yeah. And you know what? I bring Dylan, my, you're my private dancer. I bring my own pole. Hey, line up, ladies. Get your ones. You oh, like that? You was move, I good? You move pretty good for a big boy. Yeah, I'm agile. I got 60 seconds of greatness in me. I can get out of away from danger, and then I got to like drink some Kool-Aid and smoke a cigarette. It's true. Recover. Some, some grape drink? Yeah, some grape drink. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, okay, male stripper. Okay, yeah. so... D- male performer. Okay, so Joseph Demotica believed that he and Tattoo Eddie could secure employment as strippers at this club. So they go into the club. They're trying to negotiate a job for the two of them. You know, it's kind of like, well, we might be able to use you. We'll kind of keep your, you know, information. Now on I'm wondering file. if Eddie is going to be able to pull it off because this guy used to do it. So obviously he he's going to look a certain way and be able to, you know, whatever, move and make it jingle. But yeah, I wonder if that tattoo Eddie can pull this off. Joseph Demotica ended up borrowing some money from a friend so that the four could get a motel room for the night. Okay, so they're trying to figure things out. Right. Now, I'm just going to say this. I'm sure you've probably never been to an all-male strip club, I'm guessing. How do you know that? (laughs) No, I haven't. Because you're weird about going to strip clubs where there's ladies. Yeah, I've probably been to more gay bars than I have strip clubs. Yeah. (laughs) I like going to the strip club. I think it's fun and entertaining. And it is. when I lived in Washington, D.C., there is a strip club. I don't even know if it's still open, but I have to tell you guys the story. It's called Wet. What? Wet. Yeah. And it was n- next to this gay club called Club Nation. Oh, my, which I, I was just hoping they were connected. Military personnel was actually blacklisted from Club Nation. Why? We were not supposed to go there. You could go to Wet, but not Club Nation? Well, you weren't supposed to go to either, I'm guessing. Aww. And it's in the Anacostia neighborhood, which is where the Navy Yard, like the Anacostia, Anacostia Naval Yard is. Isn't that interesting? It seems like that is their core demographic. That's why they put them there, and they're told them they can't go there. Wow, you are smart. You must be good at math. Oh. We had gone to Club Nation because when I was active duty, I, of course, was friends with 
all the gay guys. <laughs> they like, Come on, Heather, let's go shopping, girl. Yeah, they were okay. always like, you're our Liza. And I'm like, that's funny. I love cabaret. And then I'd start tap dancing. <laughs> I, could, I could see it working well, out. I know, because we love to listen to the cabaret record and I entertain yeah. you for hours, right? Right. We had gone to Club Nation, even though we were not supposed to do that. So it was breaking orders. I hope they don't come back and charge me with that later. I'm oh, just kidding. I think so you're I, safe. We, okay, so after the dance club and we'd had fun, my friend was like, we should go to this club next door wet and it's like a strip club. And at that time, I mean, I was young. I was in my early 20s. I'd never been to an old male, you know, club like this. As a matter of fact, I don't think I'd ever been to a strip club. Oh, wait a second. Now, Club Nation is the gay club? Yeah, it's like right there. Like and right Wet is the male strip club? Yeah. But it's called Wet? Uh-huh. I just knew that was a female strip club, and I'm not even trying to be funny right now, guys. <laughs> no. It's the dudes over there? Oh, yeah. The dudes is over there damp? Yeah. They're damp. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Let's go. <laughs> so, okay. So, we go in, and the biggest kicker for me was all the male strippers are wearing fucking socks. On, on their feet? Yes. Oh, I, was, I thought that, you know, there's that thing where they do the socks. Well, no, they'll wear like a G-string oh. or something. But they were all wearing socks. Why they got socks? socks? Did they feel like, cold? Like fucking athletic socks and like the crew cut and like, anyway, I was, so, that weirded me out. That would look Because I'm like, here are all these really hot, buff, mm -hmm. well-groomed, They had the one tan, fat guy. Unfortunately, they didn't because you know I would have been all up on that. I remember advertisement for a club may have been in Asheville down on the river. It said, uh, we got 12 hot girls and one ugly one. I always <laughs> thought that was hilarious. Yeah? Yeah, maybe it was just well, a joke. Maybe hey. somebody like, yeah. Oh. So, I mean, if there had been a fat guy there, I would have been like, take my money. But anyway, it was like all these really super hot guys and they were all dressed in like military types of outfits, costumes. Oh, with G-strings. Well, yeah. With you know, thongs. like there was like the sailor and okay. there was like oh, the okay. one in the, like the army helmet and, you know. So they got a banana hammock and their little outfit. A cop. And socks. Yeah. So I was weirded out about the socks. Would they have boots and stuff or was it like flip-flops and no, crocs? No, so no, it was naked. just fucking socks. Just socks. So I'm like, what the fuck? I'm freaking oh, out. Like, yeah. oh my God, what the fuck? They're wearing socks. I'm done. And my friend Johnny was like, I guess, you know, annoyed with me and he's like, well, where else are they supposed to put their tips? Oh, nice. And then I was like, oh, The gay okay. dude grounded you. I yes. get it. Okay. So then I realized, okay, they have the socks because that's where they stuff all of their ones. Okay. And just another funny story is there was a guy there. His name was Steve, one of the dancers, and my friend loved him. And when we left, we bumped into him in the parking lot. I bet you did. My friend was very upset to learn he was not interested in him but the guy asked me for my phone number and i was like ah <laughs> and then he found me on myspace oh he was on was, your space which was so funny okay you trying to make me jealous right now no because it's not working because I, I know any, he can't do it like i didn't I have any interest in that guy yeah he cannot make an incredible sandwich the way i do he was really buff and not my type okay so anyway stupid. these guys are trying to land a job at the pepper tree okay. they jump in the car they drive up to tennessee from florida doesn't sound like they really had much of a plan. They were going to try to get these jobs as dancers, but they're having to borrow money from someone so they can get a motel room. I mean, it just doesn't seem like they even had the financial ability. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised they made it to Florida to back up to Knoxville. This trip. Yeah, what's and the I guess point? When you're, I don't know exactly how old these folks are. I mean, I think they're all kind of in like their late 20s, maybe early 30s when this is right. happening. And I know when you're young, a lot of times you don't think ahead. You might 
just jump in the car and go on a road trip, even though you don't really have the means to do it? I I, I couldn't. I don't. That's just not in my personality. I couldn't. I mean, even but it young gives me anxiety. To think I, I got at least know. I mean, I understand if we're gonna go and like not have a whole lot of money, but I gotta know where I'm sleeping that night. I gotta know if we got gas to get up there and back. That's, but everybody's different. On Monday, September the 7th, the foursome ended up at a friend's house. Her name was Tracy Clark. She was a friend of Joseph DeModica. They ended up sleeping in their car in her driveway, and they didn't have much money, so they kind of just spent the week bumming around Knoxville, trying to scrape together some money, however they could, if it was panhandling or whatever else they were doing. Yeah, but they were handling because, something. Because, you know, they... We're kind of accustomed to having, you know, these by. sort of different hustles. All right. They kind of were just kicking around until the next weekend when they thought the guys would be able to maybe dance and earn some cash because mm-hmm. clubs really only open like probably Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights. Okay. But then those are the money nights when you might need extra staff. You reckon they're wanting like just some quick cash? Because you could spend all day looking for a damn job. No, I think it was more about the quick cash. Just quick cash. We can dance a few nights, get a couple hundred bucks, whatever. Okay. Well, as we talked about in the beginning, the shitbirds. Yeah. The shitbirds are often not the kind of people, Dylan, who are going to get up and work a nine to five. Okay. Or keep a schedule. Or wait till payday. Or be responsible. Or get have lights. They're often the types who want to get a quick dollar in their pocket okay. so they can bum around and... Do whatever, and whatever their bohemian spirits and want. And you have to keep in mind, Tattoo Eddie, I mean, he's a fairly low-functioning adult. That's true. And also, in his that IQ time... His IQ is... We're going to talk about that a little later, but his low IQ. And, I mean, the guy's basically illiterate. I mean, and he's really, all tatted up back in the day. He so is. So, he's not going to so be first So, he's got a lot of strikes against right. him. Right. And so been in prison. So, another reason probably why, exactly, criminal record, the idea of dancing... Earning that quick cash is very appealing to these fellas. On Friday night, the four stay with Demotica's friend, Tim Farmer, who lives in Knoxville. Farmer noted that Harris, while he was staying there, was carrying two knives. One was a hunting knife and another was a lock blade knife that had like a leather sheath on it. And he wore that attached to his belt. So he always had it on him, which this guy kind of thought was odd. Well, Demotica bragged they had a gun in their Toyota. That's smart. When Farmer asked about a pair of handcuffs that were dangling on the rearview mirror, Harris laughed and told him they belonged to a friend who liked to get people high, handcuff them to trees, and do obscene things to them. Okay, that's pretty weird. Right. What would you do if you asked somebody about, why these handcuffs right here? And that's the answer they gave you. Well, first of all, I probably wouldn't ask somebody why they have handcuffs because I have an active imagination. Mm-hmm. My first thought is going to be that they're either really kinky okay. or they're like a serial killer. Okay. Or maybe they're just a law enforcement enthusiast. I believe that was the can- uh, the candy man. <laughs> His MO, you know, he had to do the young dude feeding them victims. You mean um, Dean Coral? Yeah. Yes. Um, His one of his tricks, I'm pretty sure, was... uh. He would do the handcuffs behind his hand and be like, it's a magic trick. But he actually had a key stashed in his back pocket and he'd get out of them. And then he'd get them like, you try it. And then they put them on and then boom, they ain't got the key. And now he has control of them. Gacy would handcuff Yeah, I was about to say, I mean, handcuffs have been used, but yeah, the they more, have yeah, been, yeah, they have. Quickly incapacitate someone. But this guy, Tim Farmer, I mean, he just thought that was really 
Well, that's weird. A weird, kind of creepy answer. It is. And, you know, it kind of gave him pause. Yeah. It was something that he didn't forget about. They told Farmer they were going to Gatlinburg on Saturday. They left Farmer's apartment, found out they wouldn't be dancing that evening. Okay, no work. They stopped off in Dandridge, Tennessee, and tried to sell some stuff that they had stolen from Farmer's apartment. Classic shitbird move. Now, that is a shit. That's in the shitbird manual. You stop to see an old friend or whatever. They think, okay, y'all are kind of weird and rough right now, but I'll let you in. You know, you can hang out, maybe get some rest or maybe eat. And then they're, they're in your bathroom going through your medicine cabinet looking for any type of drugs or medicines or casing your place the whole time and Stealing taking Stealing your good conditioner? Taking your uh, good conditioner you paid $8 for. Right? <laughs> Pieces of... So while they were there, they stole a leather jacket, a mink coat. Leather jacket was big back then. That's three dollars $400 right there. And a radio. They tried to sell these items to... Another friend, Johnny Schultz, she didn't want to buy the merchandise because she assumed it was stolen. So she's like, hell no. Who the hell's got a mink coat? Just regular people. Well, I don't know. I have a couple of fur coats. They're not mink. Is it real? <laughs> Is it fall fur? Is it real? You be honest with me right now. It's made out of squirrel. I'm going to splash didn't you Didn't you see that I, Tanya movie? Fall blood. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With her squirrel coat? Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a good... Honey, I'm from Western North Carolina. My coat's made out of squirrel. It's made out of rabbit bits. My my daddy made this out of groundhog for me. Okay, I'm surprised. Okay, so she didn't want to buy the stuff. Knew it was stolen. They end up finding a buyer for the radio at a gas station. I love it when you just randomly have a bunch of rough trade folks approach you at a gas station like, yeah. hey, you want to buy some of these You want to buy this gold chain or, and you, you can tell it's yeah. going to turn your skin green. Or here I got this Rolex. Yeah. So here's the thing. That it's spelled like with, you know, there's no X. It's like R-O-L-E-K, Rolex. Yeah. And anyway. you know what? I look at it and if that, that, hand, that second hand's ticking, I know you a fool. But you might get me with a Swatch watch, though. Like if somebody came over and they opened up a case of like vintage Swatch watches. Ooh, I want one of those. It would take me back to my childhood because yeah. I used to collect those little things, and I might have to buy some. But the price is driven real low on the product, the merchandise, in gas station tra- parking lot transactions. Like, hey, buy the stereo for five bucks. Yeah, you can come up on some shit, a, but you know, but you're not even looking for it. Just somebody walks up, some random ass people looking crazy, talking about you want to buy. It. I got a baby elephant in the trunk. You want to see it? I don't know. You want to buy this plastic bag? I got a mink coat back here. Well, later they hawk the leather jacket at a bar. With a little cash in hand, the four drive on to Gatlinburg. While there, they visited the Laurel Falls area of the Great Smoky Mountains Park. During this excursion, the guys had discussed how they might rob some businesses to make a few bucks. Okay. Yeah. You're down and out. That's on page seven of the shitbird manual. Maybe we can go steal some shit. Exactly. They needed money and didn't have much to go on for the next couple of days. After a hike to the waterfalls, the four returned down off the mountain to Gatlinburg, where Tattoo Eddie suggested they get two motel rooms for the night. Demotica would later testify that he knew something was going to happen. He just didn't know exactly what the plan was. Okay. That's just... 
I don't, I don't know. I guess they think different now. Well, I don't know, get it. I don't get it. I've always heard you like, wouldn't be you running. Are the company you keep? You wouldn't be running around scrambling, thinking about all this criminal ass <sighs> shit that you're gonna do if you hadn't planned a little bit. Wait, you know, go get regular jobs, work for a month, get a couple of paychecks up. Well, and talk about kind of being in the wrong place at the wrong time. I mean, you are the company that you <sighs> keep, and I've just had this um, mentality, I guess. From a, a young age, my parents told me, like... Birds of a feather. You can't hang out with these shit stains because even if you haven't done anything, they get in trouble. Right. You're going to get in trouble. Or people's going to see or you they with have them. a reputation, you'll have that reputation even if you don't do the same jacked up shit that they do. People's going to think you're just like them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a so This is like a combination of just like a bunch of shit birds getting together. So this third member of this little crew, this So there's flock, four of them. Four. Because Tattoo oh, yes. Eddie, his okay. girlfriend. Then you have Joseph Demotica and his partner, the transgendered woman, Ashley Silvers. So she's transgendered woman. So yes. she was... Biologically... A man. She was born male biologically, but, but she had lived her most of her life as a female. Okay. Okay. Yes. So there's four. Four All of right. them. And the, and the... Yeah. Okay. So it, the, the providers are Eddie and Demotica. And Demotica. Okay. The group drove to Rocky Top Village Inn, which is a motel. Melissa Missy Hill, a 21-year-old, was working the front desk that evening. Kimberly Pelly goes into the office... To, you know, negotiate a room. She needs to get these two rooms, fill out all the paperwork, you know, everything that you do when you check into a motel. It was only a couple of minutes later that Kimberly emerged from the office with Missy Hill. And it appeared as though maybe Missy was like showing her to a room. All right. Kimberly had a knife. Tattoo Eddie joined them in the room. Oh, my God. From the parking lot... Joseph Demotica and Ashley Silvers say they could hear low screams, kind of a scuffle coming from the room. Kimberly and Eddie attack Missy with a knife, stabbing her multiple times. She was shot in the head as well. So they really did have the gun with them. They I'm did. surprised they still had the gun. I guess they look as a tool because it has value. I'm just surprised they didn't sell the gun. I guess they look as a tool to use to get more money. But so, I, I, I just don't get it. So here's you have this. Poor girl is just doing her job, probably a little boring, quiet, whatever. And, and you know, and the, these people are just attacking her for no, you know, no reason. She don't know them. Now, I would be so scary to be in that situation. A security guard on duty, Troy Dale Valentine, pulled up to the office on a golf cart. Missy's husband, who happened to be a Sevierville Police Department dispatcher, had tried phoning his wife a few times with no success. Around 10.30 p.m., Missy had spoken with him on the phone and said she was finishing up the night audit and would call him back at a certain time. She was working the 3 to 11 p.m. shift. He was kind of counting on her to clock out at 11 p.m. Right. And by all accounts, she was pretty good about checking in with him. That's part say, of their normal routine every evening. You know, hey, honey, I'm leaving. I'm yeah. heading home. Just so they could kind of keep tabs on each other, especially if he's at work as a police dispatcher and she's at this motel, kind of alone, female by herself. Yeah, I'm sure in the I'm back sure of his mind he's worried. Well, yeah, and he works with law enforcement, so he knows. Right. He, he's got the, the information. He knows, like, how crime and what kinds of things happen around here. So, you know, he wants to check in with his wife. Well, when he doesn't hear from her, he gets really worried, as I think most of us would. He calls Valentine the security guard. The guard pulls up to the building. 
Missy had just been shot and killed just moments before. He like barely missed being able to help her to stop or, or maybe even like witnessing. Yeah, or this. anything. Exactly. Yeah. Kimberly Pelly clubs Valentine with his own flashlight. How did she take his flashlight? After forcing him into the room. So, so it kind of seems like he saw the door open to this room. He maybe heard some scuffle. Maybe he has his light he out heard, looking. Yeah, he okay. maybe has his light. Now, she's got a knife, so perhaps she threatened him with the but knife. She may have surprised him and knocked him down. got the flashlight, clubs him in the head with it. Then they force him to the ground. They've got the handcuffs. They kind of get him restrained, and then they stab him repeatedly. Then they shoot him, like, right between the eyes. So, uh, all this time, I kind of was looking at Eddie and uh, um, Demotica as kind of, the you know, maybe the bad apples in the bunch. But it sounds like Miss Pelly is damn as bad as they come. Pelly and Hill return to the car looking like they've been sprayed with blood. <sighs> They get back in the Toyota and the four, you know, hightail it out of there. The next morning, they wash their clothes at a laundromat in Knoxville. Tattoo Eddie Harris told Demotica he might have done something bad, like maybe he killed somebody. You didn't have to tell me that, bro. You got back in the car, sprayed with blood. We heard, they heard, and I, I mean, <sighs> I may have killed someone. Uh, yeah, I may I have. I love that, like, uh, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we just killed the shit out of two people, but, you know, who knows? I may have done something bad. I'm, oh, you may have. I'm sorry, oh, is that blood okay. all over your clothes and face? The four decide they're going to drive to Nashville and spend a few days there, hoping that, you know, it'll take the heat off of them. No one will know they were a part of it. They're going to get out of town. No one really knows them. Did they rob the teal? What was the motivation at the hotel? I mean, I think originally that was the plan. We'll get control of her. We'll go back, clean the office out, maybe? Yeah, but it doesn't seem so like So basically, really... it sounds like with the security guard showing up, it kind of fucked up their, their plans, crappy maybe. plan. Yeah, and then they just were like, oh my God, let's get out of here. Wow, so two people dead for no reason. Well, Demotica and Ashley Silvers, they're starting to feel like they don't want to be along for this ride. That can do that. You know, yeah. like, hey, it was all fun and games until you fuckers start shooting and stabbing people, right? Yeah. At this point, it's when you go to the cops. What, what, yeah. I mean, when they're in Nashville, they're just like, mm -mm, this is not going to end well for us. They quickly decide we're going to leave, so they pack up in the Toyota. They leave Tattoo Eddie and Kimberly Pelly in Nashville. So it's their car, basically. They return to Knoxville, then to Gatlinburg, where the pair get picked up by the police. Huh. And I'm not really sure what, like how they ended up getting picked up by police. Maybe there's some type of surveillance... Photos. I, think, I don't know if it necessarily had anything to do with that. A lot they got into I something think else, maybe. It was because they maybe had some sort of traffic violation. Okay. Now, it wasn't real specific, but this is just kind of what I'm gathering. They were picked up by police because they were questioned about driving a stolen vehicle. Oh, the vehicle stolen. I should have known. Yes. Okay. So I guess when they are pulled over, the plates are ran. Okay. This is a stolen Car's car. hot. Get them it's out. Not registered to either of these people. Right. Well, once they have them kind of in custody over the stolen vehicle, they start questioning them and start asking questions about the possible connection to a recent motel murder. Huh. 
murders. And of course, they deny any knowledge. Demotica eventually tells police, hey, you're looking at the wrong person. That right there, that's when you come clean and like, look, they went crazy. Uh, I don't know. Google, stop. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, that is when you come clean. And that's how you, you know, you might get in some trouble for the things you admit to, but you got to tell the truth. You should have done it when they come. I would have done it as soon as, you know, we got in the car, spray, you know, covered in blood. As soon as I could safely get, you know, 10 feet between me and them, I'm going to dial you out. I don't care who you are. Because at this point, you've killed people and I'm going to be implicated. I'm Yeah, it's stupid. Now, you did ask about money and I'd kind of forgotten this piece of information. We deal with so many true crime cases. That after a while, it all starts to turn into a blur in my brain. It it's does. Like in there. To a degree. Melissa's purse was missing from the crime scene with about $499 in cash. That's a good bit. Plus the night deposit from the motel. Oh, so the, they were able to get. Okay. They could easily. Who knows? Money. They could have $1,000, which is a good bit of money back then. Police discover the grisly murder scene. But of course, they have no real leads. And with this being a tourist spot, a motel especially. It could be anybody. Travelers in and out of there. The interstate I-40 runs right. kind of right past the Sevierville area. That would be very hard to figure out. Yeah, you can get on 40 and be out of that area in no time. Which is why convenience stores out in the country, by the, you know, out of the way and hotels and things, people working by themselves, they're vulnerable. It's a very dangerous job. It can be. Three days after the murders, a letter is discovered in a phone booth in Maggie Valley, North Carolina, Right outside of the nearby police station. What? How is it always connected back to mountain murders? It's almost like we search out these stories that have connections to the Appalachia region that we live in. Because it is an Appalachia Oh, that's what we do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Never mind. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy because, you know, Maggie Valley is is my hometown. My mom lives there. I mean, we've talked about this a couple of times to think of this being really close to the police station. But just so people know that aren't from this area, Maggie's not all that far from Dandridge, Gatlinburg, and Pigeon Forge. Oh, no. You jump on 40, you come through like the gorge, they call it, you know, mountains and tunnels, and it's right there. So you're literally from Dandridge. To Maggie, where they had come through. It's probably like, what, 45? 40 miles tops. 45. 45 miles. Yeah, interstate. Take about a, it wouldn't take long to get there. To get there. Yeah, so they exactly. pop there, they jump off the interstate and get into Maggie, and then you're right there in Maggie Valley. So The letter included a small pocket knife belonging to Missy Hill. It was a knife she carried with her, either in her pocket or on her person someplace or in her purse. Right. So he took it off the victim. Yes. Okay. The letter contained only information the killer would have known. All right. Seemed like it was almost an apology. Okay. Like, oh, I'm sorry we didn't mean to kill that girl kind of thing. They pretty quickly know this is tied to this Pigeon Forge, this Gallenberg murder case. Well, yeah, even those areas are so close. Cops share information even back when it was just by telephone. They would know about those unsolved, probably. Well, yeah, with it being It sounds that, like a horrible crime scene. It sounds like pretty club, rough. Yeah. So yeah. They were like, okay, this, you know, this is probably for right. real legit because of the details and the information. Now, it wasn't until December 16th, 1987, more than a year after the murders, that Harris is arrested in Atlanta, Georgia by the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation. Joseph DeModica was also living in Georgia. He had been questioned a few times about the murders. When Harris is picked up, he lies to police denying he'd ever even been to Gatlinburg. 
He said he didn't know anybody in Knoxville. He had never visited the area and knew absolutely nothing about the murders. All right. So deny, deny, deny. He denied meeting Tim Farmer, the fellow they had stayed with and then robbed, essentially stole his shit, or any of Demotica's other friends. And as I mentioned, there was, you know, the, the woman Tracy. There's this guy, Tim. Johnny Schultz that they tried to sell this yeah. stuff to. I mean, so there were multiple witnesses who said, no, he was here. and So he's denying having taken part in any of the shipbird activities. He didn't know about it. Yeah, I've never even been there. Okay. He said that Joseph DeBotica had a knife in the car. He was the owner of the handcuffs. That See, this is what I'm talking about. That's why you dial their ass out as soon as it goes down. Because when it does go down, and you can be proved to have been there around, they're going to do this bullshit to you right here. Oh, it wasn't me. It was them. Eventually, he does admit that, okay, I have been to Pigeon Forge. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, and I do know that guy. Oh, yeah, and I think we met. Yeah, okay. He's a dummy. Dumbass. Well, he's eventually arrested. And during the trial, a handwriting expert would be brought in to determine that it was, in fact, Tattoo Eddie Harris who had written the letter left in Maggie Valley. There was no forensic evidence to connect Harris to the murders. There was a hair found on the security guard, but it was belonging to an African-American person. That had nothing to do with this crowd. Right. Right. So really, there was no, like, forensic evidence. Wow. So honestly, from a case standpoint, provable, you know, to be proved in court. There's not a whole lot there unless you get one of them to, you know, flip and give it all to you. That's about all you got. Harris is sentenced to death. In 2002, he was determined to be mentally disabled, his IQ being under 70, and therefore could not be executed. He was removed from death row. He was serving three life sentences, but on March 10, 2015, Tattoo Eddie was murdered at the Morgan County Correctional Complex by another inmate. Gregory Smith, age 34, stabbed Harris in a housing unit lobby with a handmade, like, prison shank. Shank. He just he got, got shanked. He got shanked. Smith is also serving a life sentence for homicide. So it was kind of like, eh, no skin off my teeth. He <clears throat> kills this guy, Eddie, and gets some more time, but he's already serving a life sentence. I was watching, uh, I was listening to uh, a Dateline, one of their pod, you know, it's basically just the audio from Dateline, but it's on their podcast. Pretty cool. Fills in the spots when I don't have a good one. But anyway, it was about prison. And um, a lot of the pr people who know, the experts, think, now this may sound weird for, from victim standpoint and stuff and justice, but life without a possibility of parole sentences make everything more dangerous. The system... You know, other people coming and being jailed around it because these people are lifers. They have nothing. They literally have nothing to lose. And so when they kill other inmates or they attack guards or they have nothing to lose. So, yeah, that was I thought just thought that was I think that's true. Because if you have life or 150, 200 year sentence, no matter what you did. And I'm not saying that they deserve to be in jail. But you, you seriously, yeah, you just go shank this guy because he looked at you sideways. Well, yeah, I mean, you're if serving a life sentence in prison already with no possibility of parole. And what are they going to do? Susan Smith. What are they going to do, lock you up? I'm probably going to be like, fuck it. Yeah, so if this guy <laughs> disrespects you, you literally have to do something or the rest of them are going to kick your ass. Kimberly Pelly and Joseph DeModica were also given life sentences for their participation 
in the crimes. Ashley Silvers, whose real name is Rufus Doby, pled guilty to second-degree murder and was given 25 years in prison. From what I researched, is out. Really? But there's no information about Ashley Silvers' whereabouts today. Wow. Okay. And there's actually very little information out there about the location of Kimberly Pelly and Joseph DeMonica. Well, that's a very interesting story. I can't believe I've never heard that, having lived there in the area and lived around this area my whole life. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to Mountain Murders. As always, we appreciate your support. Find us on Patreon. We'll be uploading a brand new episode over there for our patrons. You can sign up if you go to Patreon, look for Mountain Murders. And also, we have that live show coming up January the 18th. So you have some time to plan. Save the date. January 18th at Fleetwoods in Asheville, North Carolina. We have tickets on sale. Brownpapertickets.com. You can find uh, the Mountain Murders page and buy your tickets there. Or you can get them at the door. But keep that in mind. We'd love to see some of your faces. And, uh, yeah, there's actually a connection there between the live shows and our Patreon. Because we have a new benefit, if you will, for our top tier $10 patrons. They get free admission to all live events for the rest of their life. For their patron, patron, for their ten dollar a month patronage. patronage. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Come on out and see us. Listen to us. Thank you.